Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About, about Time for True Crime. Hello. Hi, you guys. Happy episode 11. Oh my God. We're in the double digits now. How did you guys like the first 10? Uh, let me know. Tell us everything. Also, I have a, I have a question. Hmm. When you guys listen to podcasts, when... Like, what are you doing when you're listening? Because for me, I'm doing my makeup. Like, there's nothing like listening to someone. Oh, my gosh. Brutal murders while you're putting on blush. You're like, a little more bronzer will do. Ooh, asphyxiation. I have been listening to to Morbid's Jack the Ripper series. Oh, my gosh. So good. I think, not that they need our fucking plug, but. um, (laughs) It's true. It's really good because Elena just does such a good deep dive on it. And I really like it. But there's something about listening to, like her autopsy tech expertise talking about how disgusting those scenes were like as i'm just like adding some lipstick Mm -hmm. and like ooh, one more coat of mascara that's pretty her entrails (laughs) over her shoulder you say (laughs) oh my god wow um (laughs) yes i love elena's deep dives on morbid i if you guys haven't heard of morbid which like ali said they don't need our plug of course you have uh, go listen to it. It's so good. And I agree. I really like the perspective of the autopsy stuff because like we were saying when we first started this, we liked being people in the field that could talk about it. And I haven't really heard a different autopsy perspective on anything true crime based. So that's really cool. Like someone who does it every day to hear about what those things look like in today's world and stuff is really cool. So I'm usually either driving to work or getting ready in the morning. Yeah, in my long commute days, I was hellbent that I would not drive without listening to a podcast. The problem for me now is if a drive is under 20 minutes, I won't retain anything. Because I'll be like, oh, they're just giggling, ha ha ha. And then I'll get out of the car like two sentences after. They've started. They've started. And they being literally any podcast I've listened to. Um, But... I'll just get out and I'll forget it all because it's been two sentences and I'll get back in and I'll be like, hold up, who is dead? (laughs) I know. I definitely, I used to listen to like my murder podcast, like in the shower, like I'd have a speaker and I'd play it and I was like, that is so creepy. I can't. Yeah. You are a literal horror film with that one. Um, I can't do it if I'm home alone. Yeah. Like that is an absolute no, but I, and I've stopped doing that altogether because I'm like, you know what? I... I need to like myself right now. I can't do this. <laughs> I would terrible. like to sleep soundly these days. And like, you know how like when you close your eyes in the shower, you always think that like hands going to come out or something. And like, I couldn't do it. I'm like, I nope. I'm going to listen to happy music. See, and- for me, it's all car related. I can't listen to a podcast in the car after dark anymore. Um, one of the worst experiences I had was driving home from one of my friend's houses. They had moved. I was in the Chicagoland area. And I was driving home and someone didn't have their lights on. And then they kept blinking them. And I was like, oh, my God, someone's like going to die in that car. Like, I think someone's like, I don't know how this is a call for help, but this is a call for help. I was convinced. No, my lights weren't on. I just got my oil changed and the guys never put them back on like auto on. And so they were trying to tell me to turn them on. But I was dead set. Someone was going to die. I was like making partial plate notes. (laughs) Oh, my God. So no more for you. Not in the car, not at night. And now if someone's going to die, you're just going to let it happen. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. No, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but it is interesting and delightful that you brought up Elena's deep dive because this is going to be my first deep dive. Ooh, I'm so excited. What do you have for us? <sighs> like you don't know, you read the title. It's fucking John JonBenet Ramsey. It's exciting. 
Um, not the murder part, but there is a lot going on in the news with this case right now. And that is why I wanted to do it. There are some things coming up that we'll chat about in a moment, but I am just so freaking pumped. This case is like one of those that people will argue about for years. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because to me, this is one of those cases of everybody coming to conspiracies and conclusions based on coincidental evidence and also reading how other people react and how that differs from what they expect. Yes. Which is so fascinating to me how you can see someone in grief and maybe assume they should be doing something else and use that as evidence of guilt. You know what I mean? Well, and because it was so televised and it was like every single reaction that anyone in the family had was like scrutinized and combed over like hundreds of times that if someone said that was an appropriate reaction, there were just as many people saying it wasn't. Exactly. And the other problem, too, is when it's prominent people, you get prominent enemies right exactly well i'm super excited for you to tell us about it well i'm going to in just a moment but before i get there um do you guys want to know what Allie and i are wearing right now you guys just guess nothing (laughs) no we are wearing our first ever t-shirts the merch came in they're kind of prototypes i I don't know what the right word yeah (laughs) they're like the first round we're at our first drafts like we said we mentioned earlier it's just our logo so it's the blue t-shirt with the clock and the blood splatter and the little cats but so exciting so stay tuned for updates we're not going to talk about it too much right now but we'll give you very soon a chance to win one (gasps) so exciting but that's it put a pin in it and the only only other thing I'll say on it is that Allie and I also got a few prototypes of what we might be releasing in the fall. And now I just want it to be cold. I've wanted it to be cold after this heat wave here in New England. It's been disgusting. It is hot as the devil's balls in here. Yesterday I went for a hike and I was so sweaty. I had like the raccoon stripe around my body you know what i mean Mm. and then it downpoured and all of me was wet and i was like you know what somehow this is better there's (laughs) nothing more uncomfortable than wet shoes oh my cousin love her so much when we were kids she was like six or seven or something she had wet socks on and (gasps) yep her comment was my socks are wet and i hate it and so we all just say that now because it's the worst feeling it's true though it's so bad retweet that and i hate when there's like sloshing in my shoes i hate the word sloshing well i'm so sorry for you but i hate it more when there's a puddle of water in a shoe that won't come out and all i can do is swim in it wet toes all right anyway okay so guys Sorry for our Quentin Tarantino um, bit Jump there. around there. Yeah. But Oh, my God. Feet. So exciting. We're in merch. We're doing my first deep dive. And you guys, this is going to be multiple parts. I'm going to do my best to keep it to four. But I already said that's ambitious. It's probably going to be five. I'm really excited for this. And if the news keeps going the way it is, there might just be additions and addendums along the way. It's true. So this is a cold case from 1996. It is still currently cold. There is no suspect that has been charged or formally arrested for this murder. And there have been some updates in the news because 
I, like every normal person, have Google alerts set up for any time anything happens on the John Benet Ramsey case. I think I'm a psychopath. I think you're alone on that one. I uh, don't have that. <laughs> I just don't understand how this crime has not been solved. And we'll get into it. There's just an overwhelming amount of things here that over the years should have accumulated to something and what has been delightful and exciting and unfortunately surprising is that it's taken until now to start to actually make some progress on some of that well yeah it's been what over 25 years now oh gosh yeah so i mean that's pretty technology's come a long way so it really has so i wanted to start quickly by jumping into this and just letting you know what the current updates are and why i decided now would be the time to do it Initially, I was going to wait a little bit longer just to make sure that I did it justice. But you guys, I've been doing so much research. So I think that now is as good a time as any. But John Benet Ramsey has a brother that a lot of people talk about. But John Benet Ramsey also has a few half siblings that very few people talk about. And one of her half brothers recently brought up that he thought all of the evidence should be re-looked at for DNA testing since we've improved so much over the last 25 years in that technology. He was pretty sure that you could find something on that now. And also that coincided very quickly. And I'm sure this was planned to some extent. It was effective. But um, John Benet Ramsey's father, John Benet... <laughs> I know. Um, he was putting out kind of a memorial in memoriam sort of post just remembering his daughter right around what would have been her birthday recently. So all of that came out. My Google alerts flooded my phone and I said, OK, it's time. It was a sign. It really was. And the other thing is, as I look at this and the more research I've done on it, the more I've read it, the more frustrated I've gotten about the DNA aspect. And now I feel like that is finally coming to some sort of resolution in that if they retest this, they know whether or not we could know. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been done yet. So that is so exciting. And I am excited to share all of the details on the murder of John Benet Ramsey. So, Abby, for our listeners who are brand new to this subject, start us off. What's the John Bernay Ramsey case? Okay. So, as a brief overview, the John Bernay Ramsey case is the murder of John Bernay Ramsey. She was a six year old who was known because her family was prominent. This was in the 1990s, and her father was a multimillionaire, they had multiple homes. Her mother was a pageant queen, she was a pageant queen contestant i mean she was a child she was six right when she died yes um so she was six it was christmas morning there was a super weird ransom letter note a totally botched police investigation and it has been 25 years without any resolution despite having her body dna evidence and so many other pieces of evidence that on their own might not have been exculpatory enough to convict someone or arrest someone but all together puts a very specific timeline in place that should not rule just out a lot it'll rule out a lot and not anybody could just have done that so and i think 
looking at it with 1990s elect like our technology and what we had then is light years oh my gosh behind what we've got now so far different and really that has been you know kind of the 2000s theme right you look at history and there are different eras and such there's the industrial revolution there's like periods of enlightenment and places and i feel like in our society and our culture the 2000s has really been marked by the technological advancements that we've had i mean gosh when i was a kid i was like drooling over the hot pink motorola razor and now I can open up my phone by looking at it. Like, that's wild. I know. So just a lot of advancement and a really sad case of a really beautiful girl who we know was mistreated in so many ways over the span of her life. Absolutely. And I cannot. It sounds awful. I can't wait for you to tell me more. <laughs> tell me about how this kid was abused. Go. OK. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I am going to get into it. So a heads up for you guys, because this is going to be multiple parts today. I'm really focusing on doing an overview of what the crime was. And then in the upcoming parts, what we're going to get into is the investigation and the flaws that happened in that. But we're going to discuss that in depth. We're going to discuss where things went cold, how different suspects play into all of this and the advancements in DNA technology and why running these pieces of evidence again either in her clothes and her dna evidence would potentially fix a cold case that has been open for so long but is also recent enough that with a resolution could actually bring some justice so i am so excited to hopefully cover this while they are working on a resolution to one of the saddest cold cases that i've heard in mass media all right start us off okay so we are not going to start on christmas day i want us to meet the family first john benny ramsey is the six-year-old child of patsy and john ramsey now john benny was john benny's father but he obviously pushed that right together and gave it an accent and said here's your name um, so I believe his middle name is Benet. So his name is John Benet Ramsey. And hers, hers is, is John Benet Ramsey. Yes. So hers is just kind of smooshed together, named yes. after him. Yes. Okay. And so the uh, Ramseys were a very interesting family. John Benet was, oh, everything you could ever think of. He was a former Navy officer. He was a pilot. He was super wealthy because he actually founded the company that would become Access Graphics, which did a billion dollars in 1996. Yeah, that's a hefty chunk of change. So after John had founded Access Graphics, well, he really formed the Advanced Product Group, which later merged with several companies to become Access Graphics. But basically, he has a big hand in a large company. They end up making a billion dollars in 1996. What is that in today's money? Uh, nuts! It is almost $2 billion today, Eek. which is just insane. So it's really about a billion with 
$888,534,098.15. That's just a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers and it's a lot of money. So he did very well. He did very well. And in 1996, they did have two homes. Their home in Michigan was their vacation home. Huge. It was just like a big old mansion in a bunch of interesting little homes, actually. So when I looked up the town in Michigan that they were vacationing to, which you can find pretty easily. I don't know how to pronounce it and I don't want to butcher it here, but they're just little mushroom houses. There's like a guy who was famous for inventing this architecture um, and there's a bunch of this kind of styled home there. So they're circular and their roofs kind of overlay the top of the building so much they look like mushrooms and it's really cute so they had a lot of money it's ridiculous the amount of money that they have but they mostly live in Colorado their vacation home is in Michigan they are in Boulder Colorado which we will learn a lot about the Boulder Police Department at another time and date but for now that is where we are at but this is essentially the story of the wealth so John, the father, and Patsy, the mother of John Benet Ramsey, they got married later in life. Both of them had children from their original marriages. Um, John had three children that were all grown from his first marriage, although one of his daughters died in a car accident, which is really sad, prior to this. So he has had to mourn the loss of two of his children, which is devastating. Jesus. And Patsy, she did have a son from a prior marriage, but he also wasn't around, to my knowledge. So John and Patsy had two kids that were from their marriage. They had John Bonet and John Bonet's older brother, whose name was Burke. Burke was born four years before John Bonet, so she was six at the time of her death, making him ten. Um, which is a decent-sized child, and a lot of people do suspect him in one of the theories of how this crime happened. I'm not going to lay any of that out quite yet, but just so you guys know. And the two of them, as far as I know, they had spats. They didn't get along super great, but if you're 6 and 10, I mean, what else are you going to do? Your kids. They, they weren't at the age yet where you're supposed to get along. Exactly. She didn't even make it that. She didn't even get to live that long. No, she didn't even get to live long enough to like responsibly brush her teeth on her own. You know what I mean? I know. Which is just so sad. And the thing about John Benet Ramsey that always gets me is you can tell that there was trauma happening before all of this happened. And while that's sad to say, and I'm not going to accuse anyone specifically of it, you can tell because there are accounts of, you know, concerns of sexual abuse. There are photo shoots of her in pageantry and she looks like an adult and she's six. Oh, I have so many thoughts on that. Um, the pageantry scene is insanity in this story. And regardless of how you feel about it current day and how it's going now, this story has a lot to do with the exploitation of John Bonet. In many different facets of her life, the pageants included. So in introducing the Ramses, I also wanted to talk about the pageantry because it does connect a lot with her parents. John Bonet, while she by all accounts seemed to enjoy the pageantry, was also almost like 
and this is not intentional and there are no reports of this being intentional, but it was almost like she was bred to be a pageant star. Like her mother, beautiful. Her father, very handsome. Her mother was from West Virginia and she was Miss West Virginia in 1977. Her sister, Miss West Virginia, 1979. It runs deep in this family. And I feel like if one person is into pageantry, like it kind of follows the lineage down. Like yeah. their daughters will be and this one will be. And John Bunny was six years old and we'll have photos of her on, on our Instagram account. If you just look at her face, the pounds of makeup on this child. Oh my gosh. And the way that she is dressed so sexually turns my stomach. She's a baby. And she is just consistently exploited. And that is the thing that makes me so sad about this is even after her death, after all of this has come to light that she suffered, uh, suffered, period, as a six-year-old. And we can say for a fact that she suffered and people are still throwing out, you know, pageantry is asking for it and it's regardless of whether or not you agree with children and pageants which personally I don't at that age that feels a little young for me but whether or not you agree with that just leave her be like she's a dead six-year-old and her family can't bring her back no matter how much you agree or disagree with the fact that they dyed her hair blonde well but and that's just it though is like the issue that I don't know that just really grinds my gears and in and, and even today of just the the parents trying to live vicariously through a child and forcing them to be on a stage in this like show animal type way per, and uh, that's a personal opinion that's not like you know a fact of this case or anything like that but I mean they'd bleach her hair they'd paint makeup on this kid's face she wasn't like out playing like a little like a normal little kid should have been she was up early getting her hair bleached and you know in her little her little car seat in the car on her way to this show where she's got to wear heels and this like bikini looking thing and she's an infant basically and what's even crazier to me there are a few things one she was only six years old when she was murdered she had over two dozen trophies that's 24 trophies which means at best spread out over her entire life she was earning a trophy every fucking quarter of the year she had four trophies every year from the time she was born to the time she died if you average it i obviously don't believe that she got a trophy at three months old but that makes it even more insane and i the family has been through so much regardless of whatever comes out of this because there are innocent people in that family. Oh, absolutely. And because no one's been arrested, you know, we can't say that anyone's not innocent in that family, but just maybe if they could go back and do it again, I'm sure they wouldn't have done it that way, but it's probably how the mom was raised. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That was a way of life. She turned out all right. And she... You know, as far as I know, and as far as the sources I've read, she loved it and her sister loved it. And it would make sense to me that you'd want to share something you love with your child. I harbor no resentment in the fact that Patsy wanted to share that with John Bonet. The places that I have concern more have to do with neglect of red flags being raised and not following through on them. The pageant scene, 
fine. But I get like anything else in life that it is a spectrum of where you fall, not an entire representation of an industry. Like right. I was raised in dance. I didn't have Abby Lee Miller from Dance Mom screaming at me every week, but I was raised in dance. So I understand right. there not, are differences. It's not but, representative of the entire thing. But the concerns are when concerns popped up, nothing was done. And at the end of the day, I don't think that anybody could look at this case and say that this child wasn't exploited. No, By absolutely definition, not. she was. And that's the other thing. You look at some of these photos of her. Like I said, sometimes you see the six-year-old. She was six. Sometimes you see this bubbly little girl under the, you know, under the tree on Christmas morning. Like, oh my gosh, I got the doll I wanted. And sometimes she's done up in like a low-cut dress with her hair teased out like Farrah Fawcett. Like, come and get it. And she's six. But you don't get that from looking at her. You know she's young, but you you don't see six when you see those photos. No, and I'm sure that of the dozens of other young girls that were there too, they all looked like that. And she was a beautiful girl. And she would have grown up to be a beautiful woman. Oh, yeah. I mean, just literally just look at her family. Her Everybody in that family is beautiful. Oh, the genetics are <laughs> pristine. Oh, the cheekbones. If I could get in on that, you know I would. But that is not the case. So this is kind of the format of the family. We have in the Colorado home, Patsy, John, Burke, and John Bonet. And... The marriage between Patsy and John was never really described as a close and loving or doting relationship. Um, This might not be the case, but there were plenty of interviews done and plenty of comments, especially immediately after the murders, which I have some flaw taking as fact for their entire relationship. Obviously, you can't know that. But... Um, the two of them had been married for quite a long time. Patsy had just finished her bachelor's degree and got married to John like two years after that. And then a couple years after that, they had their first child. So it was really like they got going. Mm -hmm. Um, and she already had a couple of kids before. Yes. So from one, she had one son. She had a son. From my understanding, John, John is 13 years older than Patsy. So he had like grown children. Right. And her other son was older, but to my knowledge was like young adulthood kind of older. And she had been married, had her son. And then I think after that had ended, she went back to school, met John. And then. Makes sense. Yes. So. Thank you for helping me clarify that. They were both adults with adult children when they met and married. But but, he, but John Benet is significantly older than Patsy. I would say. Correct. Yes. 13 years their, is a big difference. The age difference in the kids was insane. Yeah. I mean, to have a 22 year old old like a sister that's 22 and you're six. Like that's intense. Yeah. I mean, and it's not uncommon, but it. it no. That was. But just yes, there was. It was a diverse family for a multitude of reasons. But um, the four of them living in this home, it did not seem super 
fluid, if that makes sense. Things always seem to be a little bit choppy when they're described. So they had their housekeeper, which described their relationship as not super loving. They were pretty distant. It seemed more like a business arrangement where they got stuff done. They did the house and the life thing together and they worked it all out. But it wasn't like, oh, we're going on a date night. Like, keep the kids home because it's just mom and dad time. Like, it it never sounded like that. Sounds a little more like transactional. Yeah. And, you know, for some people that works, if that was the actual arrangement of their marriage or maybe they were just fiercely private. You don't know. I mean, you can never know. But the thing that bothers me about the recounts of their relationship is that so many of them were immediately after this happened. And I, you guys, I don't know if my kid died. I'm probably not going to be like, come here, hubby. Like I'm going to be pissed and distraught and not well. Well, not only that, but we know that a majority of marriages end after the death of a child. Yeah. So if you're going to base your opinion on what their marriage was like as a whole and you're only focusing on the aftermath of their six-year-old dying and (sighs) it becoming a national story that's not an accurate picture that you're painting right and so I think for that reason a lot of people put a lot of merit into the housekeeper's recounting of their relationship and while I agree that she definitely had more evidence than most people would to comment on it Again, if somebody is keeping your house and they help and you pay them and it's more of an employee-employer relationship, I also probably wouldn't be super doting in front of that just because I like to keep my professional life professional. I don't know. And there's, there's some things that should be private and that is a worker in your home. Regardless, you're not going to be interacting with them as you would you know with family you're open about a lot of things I mean there's some things that are should be kept behind closed doors and yeah in a family so out of all of this we've met our players we know who's who Burke by the way who is JonBenet's older brother as far as I know he was doing okay I mean they had their spats but also he was 10 years old and everyone was busy I mean, John Ramsey was literally running a billion dollar corporation in 1996. Patsy was coordinating John Bonet being like a literal child star. And she was making a name for herself. She was. She was on a magazine before she died. She was on a magazine before Christmas at six. Damn. That's I'm never going to get that. I'm not on a magazine. I don't listen. I don't want to be. But also that is a level of success to start off at six. That could be exponential. I know. And that kid's already prettier than me. I know. Oh, my gosh. I know. Same. But um, just insanity. So it's a busy family. They are doing the thing. I'm sure any young parent and any parent with young kids can relate. It is just chaos keeping up with what they want to do, what they need to do, what you are trying to keep together as a family, running a life, running a home, running a business. It's fast paced. And so they're doing the whole thing. They're making their rounds. We're popping right into our story here in December of 1996. Okay. I'm popped. All right. So (laughs) it's December 6th, 1996. Um, There is a Lights of December parade, which is so funny. It's at the Boulder Mall. Um, The only reason I bring this up is because later on, this is used as a potential place for um, a maybe suspect to have seen JonBenet. Sure. But otherwise, she was just in like a little float as her little pageant 
princess self and was doing great. And then we move on to December 21st. So that was a couple weeks. JonBenet has made some pageant moves. We're moving on. We're like having parties now with families and friends and getting ready for Christmas. And this is awful because at least like for me, Christmas time and the holidays really like starting September 1st, I'm game for the rest of the year. I love the fall. I'm excited. I love the holidays. I love Christmas. I love getting together with family. I love doing all of that stuff to think that this like horrific tragedy happened to them at the happiest time of the year. Yeah. And now every year at that time, they're reminded of that is horrible. It is so sad to think that something so gruesome and brutal can happen on a day that is supposed to be about family and sharing your life and wellness with your loved ones. But also it just ends up being so eerie. Like I'm the same way, you know it. I love fall. Um, The second I can wear the same thing outside and inside, I'm happy. I am chronically cold. So either it's winter and I'm freezing outside and chattering and then like sweating when I get in or it's summer and I'm freezing inside because AC is on and then I'm sweating when I go outside. And so fall and spring for me are ideal. And then you get to Halloween, which I love the spook. And then we get to Thanksgiving, which I really like Thanksgiving. It's grown on me. It's still not my favorite holiday, but I do just really like an excuse to get around and see people that you care about and have good time with them. And so for that, that kicks off Christmas season for me because I'm like, okay, it's we're gathering, we're being grateful, we're sharing the love, sharing the joy. And then to have this happen on Christmas. The 21st was like a family party? So the 21st was actually a very public banquet for John Ramsey's business. Okay, so it was like a work function? Yes. So this is Access Graphics, and I would probably consider it like the office holiday party on steroids because they were also publicly coming out that they did their first billion dollar year. I'm sure the bonuses were fat. Bonuses were fat and I can't prove it. And this is nowhere in there, but I would venture to say somewhere at that Christmas party, there was probably some cocaine. (laughs) I mean, come on a billion dollar corporation at a Christmas party. (laughs) Share the wealth. Um, but This I'm also bringing up similar to the Lights of December Parade, just because it does come in handy to know for the timeline later. This is a really big piece of them trying to figure out a ransom letter that is later found. And there's a lot of connections to John's business. So I just wanted to throw this in there. This is four days before Christmas. And so all of these work colleagues are seeing the family right because like the kids are there right and so are all the family friends even up until the 25th like on christmas people were saying they saw the family and that everybody seemed normal and happy and healthy where was this held was this at their house no it was a public banquet so i don't know if it was held at the actual office or if they rented a space but it was an event okay but it's not like in their home where like everything can be all the evidence sussed out yes yeah no nobody as far as i know from that banquet was snooping around gotcha so we move forward two days to december 23rd the ramses have a christmas party so in their big old house they said roughly 30 people attended which honestly was smaller than i was expecting 
Yeah. You know, hearing about their lifestyle and what was going on, I was kind of expecting it to be like a 50 to 150 kind of event. Yeah. Event. Like in Schitt's Creek, when they look at the past like Christmas parties they had, that's what I imagined in my head. Like with a little like singing in the corner, maybe in mm-hmm. the piano and the a little talent show. Little yeah. Yes. But no, it was 30 people. It was pretty low key. Um, but it was low key with a lot of people that were well to do. Right. So it is kind of funny to me. They had a former jor- a journalism professor play Santa Claus. They didn't like hire one. None of them dressed up. They hired a former professor to play oh my Santa, God. which just makes me giggle. Um, but that all sounded good. Everybody said everything looked normal. And then finally we get to Christmas. So this didn't happen on Christmas morning. It happened the night of Christmas. So it was the morning of the 26th that, that John Bonet's body was found. But on Christmas, the 25th, they did attend a family party at a friend's house. Um, nothing weird happened. I thought this was weird only because my family is very family oriented. So all of our holidays are pretty much only spent with family. Um, you can be an adopted family member, but we're usually just hanging out with each other. You know what I mean? So it was kind of interesting to me to see that other people celebrate it that way. With friends, you mean? Yeah, yeah just, you know, hold, holding parties for anybody who wants to come. I, I think that's sweet. But um, nothing weird seemed to happen. The whole family came, including John Bonet and Burke and Patsy and John. They made like an appearance and they come back a few hours later and Patsy recounts it being about 10 p.m. that John Bonet was last seen alive. The kids get put to bed. And if I remember right, the parents do go back to the party, but it was like next door and they consistently kept coming back to check in. Which honestly makes this even sadder to me, mm. you know, but it was Christmas Day in Boulder and the Ramsey family had spent the evening in that home um, with their friends Fleet and Priscilla White. <laughs> Ooh, Priscilla. Which is and Priscilla. Fleet. Fleet White is such a name. I hope that wasn't his like given name. Imagine ha- like popping a little baby out and being like, Fleet. I know. I like a weird name. It just got me. But anyway. Like when you see like a little like chubby little baby and you're like, oh, I have the perfect name. Yes. Walter. It's just like, come on. As like Dennis. (laughs) Oh, Dennis. Because some things like Walter, you can say Walter, like uh, Daniel. People will say Danny or something. There's just some names that are like adult names. Yeah. Like Fleet. Fleet. I don't even, I wouldn't even name my cat that. Fleet? Stop biting your sister. Like what? (laughs) So weird. Um, So they come back, they go to bed, they had a nice night. It's the 26th. They get up. It's early. And keep in mind, it's early because they're going to take their, yes, private jet to their vacation home in Michigan. On the 26th. Yes. So Patsy's up at like five. Getting everything ready and... Yeah, 5.30 technically. Sure. And she gets up, goes downstairs to start making breakfast for everybody so they can get going and start their day off, make sure they're there in time, do the whole thing. And she is walking down one of the staircases. There's multiple staircases in their home, as you can imagine, um, and happens to come across a three-page ransom letter. 
she's groggy. This woman has not even had her coffee. I do not envy that. That is not a way to start your day. What, your kid being dead or not having coffee? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. But um, especially finding out something that devastating without even being awake yet. I don't know how you handle that. Yeah, you're just completely like disoriented and... So she wakes up at 530. She goes to go downstairs. By the time she's like, I don't know, in a robe and slippers and stuff. It's 545 when she sees the note. Um, And at 552, she calls the police. There is a 911 call. I am not going to play it for you because I hate listening to them. And also, if it was me, I think the idea of somebody reading into how I made a 911 phone call to determine whether or not I knew this was coming is just unfair. The the one thing I will say that surprised me about this phone call is that she did hang up. One thing that people talk a lot about with 911 calls is um, if you're in an emergency, a lot of people do freak out and shut down and that's a possibility. But if you're calling 911, they have all of the ability and resources to walk you through what you need to do in a crisis. And so it's beneficial to stay on the line. That being said, you can hear sheer terror in her voice. And operators are typically trained to try to keep you on the phone until investigators arrive, until the police get there and then they'll be more comfortable hanging up. But in something that's such a crisis, they want to talk them through it and keep them Right. As calm as you as calm as you can be in that kind of situation. I'm sure just like Patsy didn't wake up and expect to have this news that uh, that 911 operator didn't pick up that phone and expect it to be this nationwide case that was going right. to happen, you know. And the other thing with it is that those dispatchers, they are trained to walk you through things. They're trained to keep you calm, but also it is an extra level of security. God forbid, you know, whoever had done this to John Bonet was still in the home. It's important to have someone on the phone if you can, because 911 dispatch can update the people who are coming, whether that is the ambulance, the fire department, whatever, and just give them updates on what's happening so they know what to expect so they can adequately go and prepared to take over the situation. Right. And so at this point, right. She's got the ransom letter in her mind and everyone else's. John Bonet's just missing. Right. So it is 552 and she's like, my kid is gone. Like she checks her bedroom. She's not there. So that means she's missing. Right. Um, and there's a note that says we want money. And there is a lot that's weird about this note. You guys, this note is insane. I am not going to go into all of the insanity, but I'm going to go into the major points of it. Um, I'm going to follow up a little more in one of the further episodes of this, kind of going through what is so strange about it in specifics. But as a whole, it was three pages, which is 373 words that they read. Can you imagine a ransom note three pages long? No. The time it takes... To write a three-page long ransom letter. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you'll you'll go into this, but I just, I can't even think about it. Like, if I'm going to leave a ransom note, right? Like, I'm stealing. Right. I'm stealing Newton. And if you want to see <gasps> Newton, look at our Instagram page. Yes, he's <clears throat> on the podcast. But say I'm stealing him, right? Yes. 
and god bless me because he'd claw the absolute shit out of me <laughs> but let's just pretend yes. that i've sedated him and now i'm taking right. him away you have my precious baby demon boy newton yes so if i am writing a note and i'm in your home because that's where the notes are written yep. right i'm not like jotting down a fucking novel no you're not like oh and the light behind her eyes lit her up like an aura and now I, the time is of the essence yeah i'm going to get in and get the fuck out well and the other thing with ransom notes is a lot of people don't write them they will cut out those weird magazine letters or type them because there's handwriting analysis which also comes into play in this case yeah um and it is so strange not only for it to be three pages we've found that on average most are no longer than 15 words this is 373 and if this is, in fact, a valid and authentic ransom note that was left, it is the longest known ransom note in American criminal history, which is fascinating in and of itself. The other thing that's interesting here is that this note was written at the at the scene. And we know that because they used a pen that the Ramses owned. It was a Sharpie. And then they put it back where it went. And they had a draft that they stopped and started to rewrite. So essentially the draft, it wasn't long what they had written previously that they started again on, but they wrote dear Mr. And Mrs. And then it looked like an I, like they had started to write an R, but stopped. And that was thrown away. And the next one was just addressed Mr. Ramsey. Okay. Which is weird. Right. I just can't even imagine drafting that like you are entering a home. Most ransom notes are actually not written in the home. Right. I know this to have been written there. So the idea that it's drafted and as long as it is, is maddening. Normally, you kind of have that shit in your pocket. Leave it. Grab what you, like grab right. what it is that you are taking and get the fuck out of there. Well, and the whole idea with a ransom note is that you're looking for something else. You're taking something of value to get another object of value and then your idea is that what you have is so valuable it's not gonna matter what they have to do to yes. give it up now it's now this is going to be a mutually beneficial transaction because you will get back what you want and i will be getting what i want right so it's weird that they started with the couple and then they took out mrs ramsey it's weird that it's written there it's weird that it's drafted it's weird that they have put the pen back where it is and it gets fucking weirder, which is that we have discussed this is a family of prominence and wealth. They have money. They have status. This letter asks for $118,000. And what is important about that number? We don't know. And there are so many different speculations on it. So the thing about the $118,000 is that there are so many different connections to what it could be. I'll go over some of them. But the initial face value weirdness of this number is that it's not even. It's not $100,000. It's not $115,000. It's not $150,000. Right? $118,000. Like, my ass. $118,000. Guy, you just had a billion dollar year at your company. Give me $150,000. You can spare. You know? <laughs> if I, I don't know if I'm writing a ransom note, but um, 118. So interesting. When I write my ransom note, I will make sure that I add <laughs> zeros. Don't you worry. I'll add a few more at the end of that. So 
$118,000. There are a dumb amount of conspiracies for what this could be. Some of them more likely than others. And we'll start with one that I think was probably the most likely, which is that the year that this happened, John Ramsey got a bonus for exactly $118,000. This means that anybody at that party who looked at everything, who maybe started looking into bonuses, could have easily found that this was an amount of money that he had to spare. And maybe... Per bonus. (laughs) I don't know if he really had it to spare, but you know... Maybe he got it and, like, wasn't quiet about it either. Like, he's thrilled that he's got this bonus. Right. And he's just, like, had a few too many to drink or something and is like, yeah, I guess what I'm getting. And now this room full of people. Right. At some your- maybe disgruntled now know this, like, exact dollar amount you now possess. Yes. And if I remember right, because it's all finances and they threw a party celebrating their, you know, revenue in finances, I'm sure that people knew kind of where to look for that kind of thing. So that's my guess. My eggs are kind of in that basket. Maybe not all of them, but quite a few. So there is another possibility, which is that when John Ramsey's assets were all added up, I believe it was a million and $118,000. So they could have taken the 118,000 from that. Another thing that is thrown around as a possibility, though I don't put a ton of weight in this though it is true is that $118,000 in U.S. currency at that time was equal to roughly a million pesos okay so that would have been a big round number if it was somebody who dealt with pesos as their currency most frequently and lastly and this one's very convoluted I don't necessarily agree with this one but it is a fascinating coincidence When police searched the home, which we'll also get into that in the next one because that's crazy. But when police searched this home, they find that Patsy Ramsey had a Bible open on her dresser or bedside table to Psalm 118. And a lot of people think it might have to do with that as well because Psalm 118 in the Bible has to do with sacrifice, sacrificing someone. How would they know that? Right. So that's why I think that's a little convoluted. I think it's one hell of a coincidence, but what the hell? I feel like the most likely of all of them would be that someone knew about the bonus. Right. But I, and I forgot what that number was. 118. No, no, no. I mean, like, oh, I, okay. forgot, <laughs> I forgot before what it was because I, I know the general gist of this, which is just that there was a really long note and that the number of the, like, the ransom amount was very strange. Right. But the idea that it's his bonus to me just means someone was pissed and it was like a few days before that. Right. Maybe someone else didn't get shit for their bonus or whatever. And, you know, I wonder how many people knew about what that was. Like, I don't know that there's evidence to say, and you could speak more to it because you've researched it. If he was going around, like, shouting that from the rooftops, I don't get the sense that he would have been, but maybe it wasn't kept under wraps either. Right. And I think, for me, the part that makes that the most likely explanation for the $118,000 in my head is that if they know it's a bonus, they know it is extra income that he didn't plan on getting, which would A, mean he probably hadn't spent it yet because it wasn't dedicated to bills or anything else he mm-hmm. needed to do. And it was something he could quickly get. Yeah, it's they a lump knew sum. he had it. Yeah. Um, and he did, 
to in his favor i think he got it in like an hour and a half or two i think by 7 30 he had secured the amount wow which is insane if you think about the fact that patsy got up at 5 30 i don't know i can't pull one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars out of the air <laughs> in two hours you gotta give me a couple of hours to grab like 200 bucks like, <laughs> yeah let me go through my couch cushions hold on <laughs> <laughs> so ransom letter freaking wild then we get to the actual investigation the police show up the ramses had called some friends over that's so odd Oh, my gosh. It gets so strange. Our so, kid's missing. Come quick. Why? <laughs> why? The police are there. Why? I think they were planning to help. But. Help us search our mansion. I think they were planning to help the Ramses search for John Bonet, And then because they were called right either immediately after or like at the same time as the 911 call, they get, got there after the police. The police still let them in. So this case is riddled with investigative issues and flaws, but I'll try to not get on a soapbox about those yet and just brief over them. Police came in and basically did not do their job at all. And that's not fair. They did it, but they did not secure the premise as well. And they didn't prep for an investigation well at all. And the other thing to remember here, it's December 26th. All of the senior police department officers i'm sure had christmas and the day after off but because it's a seniority thing wherever you go for time off that means all the rookies are on the case that happens the day after christmas you guys get the shit end of the stick you're stuck working the higher up people have already taken the day off yes and while it is not bad to have a rookie on a case it is stressful when it is a big case like this and there are no higher ups available to be around the other thing that's interesting here is the police not the ramses called victims witness advocates to come over and help the family and the victim witness advocates allowed in by the police called by the police and let free reign by the police cleaned up the entire kitchen mm. which just takes away any semblance of like prince dna I don't know, blood someone missed cleaning up. We don't know what happened. You don't know what you cleaned up in that kitchen. Well, and the other thing is, is like, you know, you can learn a lot in your training and things like that. And you can go to school and you can have a degree and you can have whatever. Experience makes all the difference. It really does. A degree is the most expensive piece of paper that you are ever going to have. But the ex like the worked experience that you have is so much more valuable. So you have these police officers that don't actually have that much worked experience they might have learned things but they haven't applied it yet right and it definitely looks different in a textbook than it does when you're the one making the calls absolutely and i feel for these police officers but i also only have patience that goes so far this crime scene was so incredibly wrecked that not only did they let these people in to clean they were fully at the house for eight full hours before they even secured the scene. That is mind boggling to me. Yes, it is crazy. And then on top of all of that, they bring in this FBI agents. They have a few come. They basically just drop a wiretap on the phone so that if said writer of the ransom note called, they could try to trace it and get 
you know a recording of what happened meanwhile the ramses are just calling their friends over and everything which is just more people destroying the evidence at the scene and i guess that's like my frustration is not like having your friends like you need support in that moment of course and you're going to start a search party or whatever out you know in the neighborhood whatever that's going to look like but i mean in the 90s didn't we know I mean, I think we should have known at least a little better than to be like, hey, invite everyone you know over and just let them touch everything. Like, you I know, would hope. you must feel so violated in that time that someone entered your home and took your child and used your notepad and your pens to write this ransom note for that. I don't know that I'd want more people in there. I'd want to, like, leave that space and say, police, take everything. Right. What, what like scan everything test everything i mean and that's my like criminal justice 2022 brain going at it but like i don't know the other thing that's fascinating to me about all of this is after the fact while they were still collecting evidence while they were still doing a preliminary investigation on this scene the family was in and out so patsy and john and burke I will be honest, I assume Burke was in some sort of childcare. They don't bring him up in a lot of this immediate post-craze events. I don't know. He wasn't said to be anywhere. So I assume he was probably with, like, friends or grandma and grandpa. Something like that where he doesn't have to see all of it, I hope. Of course, yeah. But... um Later on, so not the same day, but later on, they do end up going to their vacation home. They're in and out of Colorado and Michigan, and it becomes kind of a thing. I actually ended up reading, oh my gosh, 78 pages worth of press releases that the Boulder Police Department came out with at this time. And it is insane how many of them are like, the Ramses are expected back on this day. Okay, the Ramses have arrived. The Ramses have gone. We're not sure where they are yet. Okay, the Ramses are back. Like, oh my god. Just all over the place. And to be honest, I don't I don't know. We work in the government. I know how bureaucracy goes. Sometimes things get lost in translation, but it was just a lot of memos like, "Oh, the Ramses are back." <laughs> John Bonet took a fat shit. Literally. So just fascinating how that all worked. The other thing that I wanted to bring up with the day of the crime and the FBI agents that showed up. They wiretapped and all of them had left, except for one. One agent was left there and she was like, "Mm, John just seems so anxious. He seems so stressed. I wanted to help him. I told him to search the house up and down. And here's the concern with that. They didn't do that yet. They didn't do that yet. Um, If he has a second look, at it there are people who subscribe to the theory that he was involved to the people that subscribe to that theory they just gave him a green flag to go make sure he didn't miss any evidence to go cover up his tracks if he missed any that's a good point he was given the okay and he was encouraged to (laughs) yes he was like i'm anxious they're telling me to do this and They had not done a good sweep of the whole house. And keep in mind, this place is four stories. Their basement is huge. I will have a layout posted. Um, But he is a little rebel. So she was like, you search that house from top to bottom. He was like, bitch, I'm going from bottom to top. He goes right to the basement, to the wine cellar, and finds his daughter. Her body had been in the house the whole time. And this is where it makes me really, really sad. 
the whole thing makes me sad. This part makes me nauseous. Like I hate reliving this and by reliving it, I mean retelling it. I didn't even have to see anything, but it sounds like a, a trigger slash content warning coming. If child crimes upset you, you might want to skip ahead a few 15 second marks. Yeah. You guys, I will say this. If, um, the exploitation and the violation and murder of children are incredibly upsetting. I will not mind if you skip forward a few minutes. I won't mind if you skip forward on the rest of this because it's going to be a deep dive on all of that. I find it personally fascinating in that I can't imagine ever being able to bring myself to even like smack a kid. I don't know. Previous generations talk a lot about like the wooden spoon and getting hit with the belt and all of that. And so like, I don't know. I could never bring myself to do that, let alone hurt or violate a child in this way. And so the idea that someone has done something so heinous and we have all of this evidence and haven't done anything with it just baffles me. And the idea that her father, regardless of whether or not you subscribe to the like the theory that he is behind any of this, he had to carry up his dead child from a cellar in a house full of strangers where his wife has been panicking because of a ransom note. And this entire time, eight hours at least, that police have been there. Nobody looked in a wine cellar in your basement. Isn't it odd that the investigator who was there encouraged him to go look in the first place he goes is where she was. Oh, it is strange. And I'm not going to lie to you for a really long time. And there are still parts of me now that wouldn't be surprised. Really thought that this was a cover up job done by the parents um, for something else that happened that I'll get into later. And this is one of my main pieces of evidence that convinces me because you say search the place from top to bottom. People have been in my home for hours and I just happen to go to the one place that nobody else has been yet. And it sounds like the square footage on this place is insane. Yup. The fact that he just went straight down the stairs. I mean, he like went exactly where she was. Yeah. And it it is just... Oh, you guys. Not good. So her body is under a blanket in the wine cellar, which if you look at the layout of the basement is through multiple doors. And... One of the basement windows was cracked. This had happened earlier from, I think it was an issue with Burke, but it was a family doing, like they knew what happened. And John Ramsey frequently locked himself out. So he left it unfixed. And investigators were pretty sure this is how whoever the offender is got in because there was no sign of forced entry, nothing like that. Right, no other ways for them to get in. It just so happens that she's in the room that you can get in and out of the house from. Right, exactly. So it's not exactly the one with the window, but it is immediately across from it. On that floor, yeah. And then to go up and down the stairs and then get back down to the wine cellar, you have to go through like an entire another set of doors in the basement. So I think you'd have to be pretty familiar with the home, which is another reason for me that it was evidence that it was somebody who knew them. Right. At least well enough to know their basement, which has to be at least pretty intimate. Um, That being said, she is found in a blanket and I don't really want to go into the exact description of how she was found. But I will say that it was evidence 
that she fought. She was beaten. Um, later, they found out that the cause of death was from a fractured skull and also an asphyxiation, and there was evidence of sexual assault, um, including a variety of like blood and DNA samples that were found under John Bonet's fingernails, um, things that we can genuinely verifiably test right now, which is what is happening in the news. People are calling for these things to be taken back from evidence, retest the blood on that, retest the hair follicles, the skin that's under her nails anything that you can because at the time what they had was nowhere near nowhere near what we have now no i mean you just collect it and hope that someday you'll be able to make sense of it right or you know run a 1990s rape kit which yeah. is not great either so this is where i'm going to leave us today is john Bonet has been found in her home december 26th Beautiful six-year-old little girl, happy family, seemingly successful, wealthy family, seemingly, and a botched-ass police job for day one. Absolutely. And I think maybe moving forward, we should just call, like, John Benet, John, and then John Benet. Yes. Because I have been using it interchangeably, and I'm noticing that I'm not leaving a pause. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yes. John Bonet is a six-year-old, and I have been trying to refer to John Bonet as John. So, <laughs> so I will be more conscientious of that on my end because I was just saying John, ben- like me knowing who I was talking about. So, you guys, I'm sorry. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We promise. But um, this is such an interesting case to me, and I am so excited that you guys are coming on this journey. It is a heinous crime, but it is one that I have hope for. And it is one that I hope as I go through and cover this and tell you more and more about what this investigation unfolds, how it's handled both ways that are great and God terrible um, and how this impacts the family. I think this is going to be a really great deep dive and I'm so excited. Um, This is a crime that really secured my love for true crime. I know I talked about Anastasia, the first one of being like what interested me in something dark and twisty. But this one for me really secured the love of the criminal justice system because while so many things were done so poorly, it is the ways that people have risen above and changed policy and changed process and learned from mistakes and have kept hope and kept evidence for something like this so that one day maybe some justice could come to that and we're finally at that day where it's possible but I don't know I'm getting chills I'm very excited about it and I'm really hoping that as we talk about it and go forward that the news brings forward some exciting things too I'm hoping the more people start talking about it, the more pressure there is for something to go on. So, And I have to say, when Abby and I were months ago roundtabling some ideas for this podcast and, and what we wanted that to look like in certain cases that we had wanted to highlight and shed light on, one of the first ones that she said was John Benet Ramsey. I was like, dibs. <laughs> she fully called dibs on it. And... I think that's excellent because you tell it very well and you also know a lot about it anyway. Yeah. But I think it was sort of like reinvigorating seeing it in the news again. And I mean, I feel like I grew up with this case. Like I have heard, you know, and listened to so much about it, but 
there's still so many stones left unturned right and there's a lot of places to go now especially with it being reanalyzed now so i'm super excited for it sounds awful to be excited about but john well, john benet ramsey deserves justice and whatever that looks like and if the family had nothing to do with it there's a lot of conspiracy theories that they did and if their name can be cleared by this they deserve that piece any of them um and one thing about this that does really really make my heart sad is the fact that patsy passed away of ovarian cancer um not recently but a few years after all of this happened and she will never get to know but the other thing that made me so sad is she lived her entire life up until the day she died with people assuming that she had something to do with the death of her daughter and I am not saying that she did or she didn't. I don't know. We don't know. That's part of the allure of this entire case is nobody knows. But if that family had nothing to do with it and there are still siblings alive and well and her father is alive and well, they deserve to live the rest of their time on this earth as peacefully as possible. And whoever did it, you know, should be brought to justice and the rest can hopefully just be put to bed. Yeah, it it is such. We talked about in the Angela Samata case, the friend of hers that everybody thought did it and how after years and years and years of fighting for justice for her, that finally his name was cleared and it was just as relieving for him as it was for someone to think he was the guy and that they had him. Yeah, I mean, her best friend, Sheila, who had pretty much just pointed fingers at him for decades. Right. They became friends after they could both just be like, wow, holy shit, you know? Yeah. But it was the friend's drive that got investigators to reopen it, and that's what cleared his name when it was retested and so that's I think what we're both hopeful about in this case is the more that we talk about it and the more that we put attention on it because at the end of the day a six-year-old child is dead why a six-year-old child who spent her life entertaining other people all six years of it were for other people and it was taken from her before she even had the chance to know who she was before she had the ability to be independent, before she could even get along with her brother. And that's heartbreaking. But there are so many cases that are cold and heartbreaking of children who have all of the joy and goodness ripped away from their lives, whether they're the immediate victims or a secondary victim. And this is finally one that we have a chance, a chance to find justice for and an answer to and i think that is where this passion and drive is coming up again i am so excited and it's really fucked that we say that we're excited but i hope that you guys are sickos like us in the same way but i hope that it's the same kind of sick that we are that we want to bring attention to these cases and the victims and learn from that and take note of what we can learn as people who aren't going to hurt anybody, but to detect when someone might be hurt or right. certain, you know, all of that stuff. 
the red flags, the green flags, we want to know it all. And as a human with anxiety, my brain's best idea of how to figure that out is to look at the worst things that have happened and to see if there are any patterns. And whether or not I like it um, and the awful things that happen, I don't like the awful things that happen. But whether or not I like it, I learn from it. And that, I think, is part of what we're trying to share and hopeful that through looking at all of this shit and all of the hell that John Bonet went through, that we are able to learn something from it and find some peace. So with that, I wish you guys a peaceful week. We hope you guys have a wonderful day. And for Christ's sakes, send a fucking picture of your cat. I swear, if I don't get any more snoots in that dms on our instagram i'm going to lose it which hey um where do i dm if i want to send a photo of my cat so you'd go to our instagram do you have a pen Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay ready so jot this down okay getting my pad and paper okay so it's about time for true crime pod but you're gonna put little cute little periods in between all the words okay all right ready so So it's a B O U T period. A B O U T period. T I M E period. T I M E period. F O R period. F O R period. T R U E period. T R U E period. C R I M E period. C R I M E period. P O D. P O D. Now, is that like a weird file format? Nope, just podcast was too long. Y'all know how it is. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I think that they could <laughs> they could also email us, and I am it's slipping my mind. What is our fucking email? Um, our fucking email is about time. The number four. T C. And now, was that a good idea, the number four? At gmail.com. Listen, I don't know. We don't know. I didn't go to school for marketing. How would you spell that really quick, the, e- so, the email? So, just so you know, it would be like A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, the number four, T-C, at gmail.com. Well, with that, we'll see you in our cute little DMs. Yeah, slide on in. Shoot your shot. Oh, my <laughs> God. And by that, I mean, send us pictures of your cat. Jesus, please. It's like um, we're not asking for much. And you guys, seriously, though, go to our Instagram because as we mentioned, if there's a chance for you to win anything, it will probably be there. It is most certainly going to be there. And for every episode that we come out with, we make an Instagram post about what you can expect in the episode, but also photos of the people and the places that we're talking about. So definitely check that out. You're definitely going to want to be a part of it come this fall. We have a lot of places that we're looking at actually taking some authentic photos of our own at. Absolutely. And we just have exciting things planned and coming. So we're so excited to share that with you. So I think that. Was that. Was it? I think it was. It was was about about time time for for true true crime. crime. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, you guys. Have a good week. What the hell? Get out of here. Go drink some water.